Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you are releasing a book and you want to go audio and you're in indie and the, you don't know how the book is going to do yet, it's not worth it when you're in that position to splash out the money for an audio production unless you're reasonably sure you're going to recoup it. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of The Thunder Heist, and I am joined by my fellow writer, Dirk Ashton. Hello, I am Dirk Ashton, author of the Paternus Trilogy, and maybe someday even some more books. Ooh, exciting. And uh, we are joined by a very special guest, Travis Baldry. Travis, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. So for people who aren't uh, aware of your work, Travis, do you want to just give them a quick introduction to kind of the different types of writing uh, work and production that you do? Um, currently I am a full-time audiobook narrator. If you listen to audiobooks, uh, most people know me from Will White's Cradle series. Uh, before that I made video games for 20 years, uh, Torchlight, Fate, Rebel Galaxy. Um, I don't really do that anymore. Um, and most recently, accidentally, uh, I wrote a novel that was acquired by Tor called Legends and Lattes, which is re-releasing in November. Awesome. Um... Yeah, we're going to get to all of that. I thought for this episode, it'd be really cool to talk a bit about kind of audiobooks and just what life is like as, a, as an audio narrator of, of books and games. How did you first kind of get into that? Like when you were starting out in that games industry, as you mentioned, is that, was that the kind of initial starting point? Um, not really. I never actually wanted to be a narrator and I certainly have no acting background. This was never really a twinkle in my eye. Um, I'm a software engineer in an artist and a designer. So that's what I did in games. I did some VO toward the end, um, but only because it was easier than getting a bunch of people to do it. Um, <laughs> I got into audiobook narration kind of by accident. I started doing it on the side. My kids didn't need me to read to them anymore. And I put together most of the professional equipment I needed because I didn't want to pay for studio space for hiring people to do VO. Um, mm -hmm. So I had this stuff and I stumbled across 
ACX, the service that Audible runs jointly with Amazon for publishing for audio for indies. And I decided to audition for some stuff. And it turned out I really liked it. And then I kept doing it for years until I finally decided I don't really want to make games anymore. I'm just going to do this. And so, so that's what I did. What, um, sorry, to, I didn't mean to interrupt, but what, um, uh, when did you start? Because you've become one of the bigger sought after names now. I actually don't remember. You know, the easiest way is me for to go to Audible. Here, I'll go to Audible real quick. I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, when you went, just <laughs> just wondering when you first, because just so people know while you're doing that, um, ACX is where a bunch of narrators who want to narrate books can put up reels and their bios and what they've done, and uh, authors like me or Jed can go in and. Um, find narrators for their books and then you can either do a 50 50 split um or you can uh of of uh, the net that you get um or you can just pay anywhere from a hundred to how many thousands if you want to thousands thousands of dollars thousands let's just say thousands on behalf of our finished hour and to give you an idea um, I paid my narrator $200 an hour, which is a low in the low range, um, to do, um, the, uh, the three, uh, Paternus books for mm. audiobook. Um, Travis is no longer in that range because <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> and, and he's also booked out something like three years at this point. Because, so my range right? depends. So I, I, I have an answer for you. I started in 2017. At the oh, okay. beginning of 2017. So I guess so I've been doing this for like years. five and a half years, roughly. Yeah. yeah. Um, my range varies because once I start narrating on a series, I don't change the rate for that series because mm-hmm. it's way too easy to get into a position where you're using it as leverage over an author. And the more mm. entrenched you are in the series, the more power you have. And it feels a little hinky to me to take advantage of that. So I actually narrated a number of ranges, but they're just based on what was anchored in when they started. Um, I'm still not that crazy expensive. There's plenty of narrators that um, cost more than me, but I'm also a nerd, so I save in a lot of places. And my more of my rate goes to me than goes to most narrators. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it's an awesome business. Um, I really mm-hmm. like it. The people are great because it's book people, and book people are cool people. And I, I don't know, the vibe message. is, the vibe could not be different, more different than like games, like the relationship between readers and authors and listeners and authors and listeners and narrators is super, super different than the relationship between people who play video games and people who make video games. They are just not even in the same universe. Hmm. How is that? Uh, yeah. I'd love for you to talk about that. Cause I wrote a game uh, that came out earlier this year. It was a very different experience to what it sounds like your mm-hmm. kind of um, industry experience was like, but yeah, what was, what was that like for you? Um, so games are basically viewed as a service at this point. And most of the, the magic of games, like the enthusiast era is kind of over. So people think of them, you know, as we have such a wide range of kinds of games that can be made. You've got Red Dead Redemption 2, which is some in, inconceivable feat of engineering and money. And then you've got, you yes. know, little pixel art games, but Users don't really understand anything that goes on behind that. They don't know who, how many people are making things, how much time it takes, how much effort, how much money. There's just no connection to that. So there's just a fire hose of, frankly, pretty great content. Um, 
and a kind of antagonistic relationship where if you don't like something about a game, you feel that you have the ability to change it. That you can say, I don't like this, change it, suit me. Now, mm-hmm. <laughs> I paid you, or I'm going to pay you. But authors, I don't feel like have that same relationship. If you don't like a book, you just give it a star rating, I don't like it, and you move on. And that's, yeah. that's, that's the end of your relationship with the book. Um, yes. You're like less connected to it with it. Almost. Yeah. Nobody doxes an author because they didn't like the ending of a book. But that routinely well, happens. Not nobody. <laughs> not nobody. <laughs> it has happened. Few. But it's very few. rare. But it's, it's, it's relatively rarer. prevalent, yeah. like in mm, the games right. industry. Yeah. The relationship is just a lot more fraught. It's a bit more hostile. Yeah. It, is, it is a lot more hostile. And I feel like uh, some of this is because people, well, people don't understand what it takes to write a book who don't write a book. It's not as big of a leap to make, right? <laughs> Right. Yes. Um, yeah. And the the concept of a book has not changed that much over time. It's words on a page that tell you a story. Storytelling mm-hmm. styles change, but mm-hmm. games now are unrecognizable from games in another era. They're just, they just yes. they aren't the same kind of thing at all. You know, they change every year. So I don't know. It's just it's all it's just really really different. Um, mm-hmm. And again, book people are nice people. And if you're reading books or you're listening to books, you're probably book people. It's just, you've automatically cleared some bar of, I don't know, <laughs> civility. <laughs> yeah. If you have like the patience to sit down for eight hours and like listen to or read a book, it probably means that you're, yeah. Yeah. There's a prerequisite like a bit there. More disciplined. You know, I, th- I think it just, I think it just changes the tone of the relationship a lot. Have yeah, you ever had a, have you ever had a problem with an author? Me personally? Yeah, like, I mean, have like you ever communicated with them butted, as, an, butted, as an audio, have you ever as a narrator? He- yeah, as a narrator. Have you ever um, no. uh, butted heads on creative things? No, no. Really? really. Good. No, no. Good. So for the most part, most authors are just like, just go do your thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some authors have uh, a lot of specifics that they want to hear or they care about for their book. And, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, at, it's, it, it's, it's never been that, complicated for me you know you you have the baseline understanding that one person is reading your book and they're mm-hmm. not literally going to become female or italian or whatever you know there's an understanding that you literally are not those other people so yes. you already get that there's a basic like suspension of disbelief in the delivery of a book so it's all just a more it's more like finer tuned stuff if I, so the furthest I've ever had with a disagreement is like a, a, an author says, I want these two characters to sound this way. And I'm like, well, I'm going to advise you to do this differently because these two characters serve a similar purpose and you're giving them the same accent and they're just not going to have a lot of separation. And the accent mm. isn't implicit in the text. So why don't we yeah. pull them apart a little bit? Because I think you'll have an easier time making their banter recognizable or something like that. Mm. But yeah. people are really open to that kind of thing. That's not yeah. unless you're a butt about it. That's it's it's well, never been a big yeah. deal. I have learned a lot. Now I know a lot of uh, a lot of friends of ours, Jed, that um, and Travis, who don't even listen to the audiobook. Oh, I know uh, lots of authors they, who don't. They just they <laughs> won't even they listen. Now, <laughs> now I I'm a I'm a film guy from way back, and I used to produce and and do all kinds of things. So I'm involved with all the processes. Um, so I listened to them all, and if I if I thought something was either a mistake or or was a little different, I would just uh, let Nick know, Nick McGill, great guy. And he would just fix it and it would just be fixed. He goes, how's this? Like 10 minutes later. And it's just like, okay, yep. cool. And yep, we'll nice. just go, th- go on like that. But that's, and I get, he wanted me to give him a whole list of, uh, name pronunciations. Um, yep. because a lot of them were out of mytho- our 
almost all of them are out of mythology. So there are a lot from all over the world. So he wanted those, those pronunciations. So I just gave him little oh, yeah. audio clips all the way down and he just. And pronunciations are a big thing. And you do that yeah. with every author generally, unless they really don't care. Some authors literally have no idea how the words that they wrote down are pronounced and honestly could care less. Yeah. But a lot do. And generally what I do is I assemble a list and I pass it off and I either, I usually do a, uh, a written out phonetic pronunciation with em- syllable emphasis that okay. says, here's what I think it sounds like. If do you, you plug disagree, that in? Do you plug that into the manuscript when you're, no. so it's there mm-hmm. when you're reading? No, okay. I have it in a separate file that I can reference. But once I've kind of mm-hmm. got it, I've said it out loud a couple of times, it's sort of baked in and I just have a list in alphabetical order that I can reference. And if they disagree, I just say, you know, here, send it back. If there's communication issues, I'll record it. But generally that's enough. It depends on the book. Some what? words are just harder to, articulate the pronunciation of because they're really weird um but i'll just ask one more question and then i'll shut up and let you guys talk um uh how do you prepare and what kinds of things do you like to see from an author (laughs) because Um, everybody's going to have that question so my product my product my preparation time is very short Mm -hmm. um because i really don't have any downtime between books um so um i generally skim the text Mm-hmm. I do, uh, I, since I read a lot of fantasy and, and, you know, speculative fiction, I pull up the document in Word and I do a word search, mm-hmm. or not a word search, I do a spell check, and that mm-hmm. will almost immediately flag almost all of the made-up words. So mm-hmm. I scrape those all and assemble them. I find my mains, I check for keywords like accent and brogue and things like that, so I quickly figure out who's got accents or things baked into their characterization, things like ages, how they look. Usually when they're introduced to something about their demeanor and I'll get those things together and then I've got my character list and that's about it. Um, mm-hmm. And that prep goes that's down. Still a lot with of every, work. It's about uh, 20 minutes to 30 minutes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> doesn't Wait, take really? very long to do. You are efficient. Um, well, and then I'm a good cold reader. A lot of people prep much more extensively than that. And I totally respect that. And I, once upon a time, I prepped more than that, but, for the most part, I don't, there's only so much I need to know about the book. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, the example I'll give is like, if, you, if you're reading a murder mystery, you don't need to know who did it at the end. Yeah. Because you are mm. presenting the book to the listener the way that they would be reading it. If you tip right. your hand because you know, what, what's the use in that? That's not, that's not information that you need to provide. Mm-hmm. You do need to know things like, on page 500, we suddenly discover that he has an Irish accent, and you've been reading him for like the last right. seven hours. <laughs> there are key things that you must know, yeah. but yes. the actual shape of the story, you don't. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter, because no. you're going to reveal that as you go, and it's always going to be a, a, an accumulation of responses that you've built up from all the prior reading. It's not going to be something that you've done you know, just because you have foreknowledge. So right. in my opinion, the things that I, that I personally need to prep are specific things that keep me from doing it wrong. <laughs> and I know what those are and I assemble. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Pull them. How do you keep track of who's speaking when? Because a lot of times authors will start with some dialogue and then it says, blah, 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 said, blah, 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 said, and you don't know when you start it. I know um, my narrator would color code dialogue. I don't touch any of my manuscripts. I'm I'm a good cold reader. Um, When you're reading, you're basically half scanning ahead the line. So So that's a skill. That's a real skill. You're doing it even when you read on a book. You're, you're doing it, but you do it a little bit more explicitly and with a little more intention when you're reading it to say it out loud. But you're basically pre-scanning. And there's a lot that's implied based on exchanges. If there's two people in, mm-hmm. in, a, in a scene and you're exchanging between dialogue lines, you know it's going to be the next one. So there's lots of cues that you have. That gets more complicated if you know there's multiple people in the scene. But again, you're kind of scanning for that as you go. Worst case, I mess up and I go back and I, and I punch it in. And right. obviously that happens, but by and large, you have that information. It's the same information you have to have to understand how a sentence is going to break, like tonally in the middle. You know, is this going to be questioning? Is this going to be, you know, is this a dramatic moment? Where's this sentence going to go after this comma? You're scanning for like little key markers that, that give you the shape of where that narrative tone is going to go. Um, and sometimes you guess wrong or you, impl- or, or, you know, you, you just make a misjudgment and then you just read it again. Awesome. What was your uh, experience like narrating the cradle books? Cause I know like, that's such a massive series. We've had Will on the show before. Like, did it feel massive when you were starting out with it or was it you sort of entering? No, into I didn't world? know where books it was going to go when I started out. I had no idea mm. where it was going to go when I started out. They're always a blast to read because Will's a great writer and he knows how to write these really lean, propulsive books that have yes. really well-articulated characters. They have his great characterization. All the characters are so distinct, and they do it largely with dialogue. You can read mm. almost any line, and you can tell who's talking. And yes. writing good dialogue like that is, a, is, a, is an incredible skill. So um, they're, just, they're, they're a blast to do, but when I first started, I didn't have any idea where this was going to go. You know? sure. And honestly, I don't think most people did either, because I think when I read the first one, he was just getting to Ghostwater. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Got it. I think a lot of people, I don't think a lot of people recognized how good it was going to be till probably book three. When Black mm-hmm. Flame hit, you get about halfway through Black Flame and then the pedal goes down and then it just never goes, it just is never released again for the entire series. Enough of the cast has been assembled that you've got the team and it all starts to really go. Um, mm. And so it hadn't fully, I don't think it had fully engaged out in the world yet how good it was going to be. And then it just sure. kept getting better. Every book was just better. And uh, more and more cool things got added without ever slowing down. Um, man, I really respect the way that Will has managed to make his world big without bogging it down. Yeah. A lot of people, mm. you get that many books in, and all of a sudden yep. you've got like eight POVs and yep. maybe one day passed over the course of this entire book. book. But <laughs> yeah. Will yep. prunes the branches and... Yeah, everything stays propulsive. It's really pretty impressive. The books are quite short too. They are, but which, they get longer as they go, right? You they, know, yeah. they get they get a little longer. Um, I'll have to I have to admit I've only read the first one. What? Yeah, what? I know you monster. Know. Well, then you don't know. Do I you don't to, know yet. You I'm don't gonna know leave yet. now. I'm gonna leave. I, now. Get, get out. I have also only read <laughs> the first book as well. But maybe I listen to the audiobooks. Wow, now that I have the narrator just, right here in front of me. Revealing of the horrible shortcomings as human yeah, beings. Yeah, sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great first book, though. And, like, yeah, you can definitely the see is, why the it's. The first it's book doesn't even give you a glimpse. You're just, it's just like you're just barely, you're just barely brushing the surface of it. You have yeah. almost none of the amazing characters that show up that really make the whole thing sing. Man, if you've, if you've ever got. A couple of spare minutes to rub together, you should absolutely get a little bit further in. And then you probably won't be able to stop. I predict that once you get into Black Flame, the hook will be set and you won't be able to pull it out. That's what everybody tells us. Yes. Yep. That's that's both enticing and concerning at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just Travis, how um Yeah. (laughs) Hey, no, I respect it, man. Um what what has it been like for you and how has it affected your kind of narration of those books as the series has become bigger? Like, have you felt any more pressure? Like, have you changed anything about your approach or have you just continued keeping on, keeping on? Um, for the most part, it's just keeping on, keeping on. Um, I've, I'm a little different as a narrator. It's been years now since I started. I'm, I think, a better narrator than I was when I started. And also there's a certain amount of, now with the knowledge of where the series goes and the ultimate tone that develops after the first couple books, I'm constantly thinking, boy, it'd be great to just re-record the first two, knowing the ultimate tone that he's going to strike. Because okay. I don't think he knew where it was going to go tonally when he first read, wrote the first book. And right. I think that there's a, a shift that starts to happen. It's a little organic, but if, if I knew that ahead of time, there's just slight tweaks I, that I would make to the way that I did it. And obviously, I'm a, I'm a better narrator than I was. Um, I say this after saying that you don't need to know every beat that happens in a book. And again, I don't, but tone is different. <laughs> tone is like yeah. the background music. Um, mm-hmm. It's like the narrative tone of a book mm. is, is almost like the soundtrack. And knowing mm-hmm. th- what kind of music the author is going to be playing ultimately, I think is useful. Usually I'm pretty good at zeroing in on the tone. Um, yeah. But when it develops like oh. that, it would be cool to know. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I guess um, even if you're not changing anything about the words that you're saying, it's just like having that knowledge that like, oh, this is a story about this particular thing or whatever. Like, yeah, that's got to kind of subconsciously influence the the way that you're performing it, right? Like that's going to Well, and and when Unsold starts, Unsold is is 
it's in a valley, right? It's in mm-hmm. a valley with basically a bunch of backwards people that have no interaction with the rest of the world. So it's sure. basically like a pocket world. The whole book starts in a pocket world and doesn't leave mm. the pocket world until the end of the book. So the shape of everything else is totally intentionally obscured from these people. Yes. So it's, it's, everything is almost intentionally obscured. There's just no way to know what you're in for. I don't know. Right. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. I, 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 in that way, it almost works that you maybe didn't know what the later book's tone would be, right? Because neither did I the can characters say that, now, that were it's pretty, within It's a great that. justification. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, rationalize it after the fact. Um, <laughs> as we kind of like, yeah, wrap up towards the end of this episode, I'd love to know, like, what is your kind of best advice for authors who are thinking about getting an audiobook narrated? Like, how would you suggest that they approach that process? Um, generally, I think just reach out directly to the narrator that you want. Find a narrator that you think fits your book well. All narrators are approachable. You don't need to put up auditions through ACX. Find the person you want. You know, if you're if you're going to like make a cover, like commission cover art, you don't just put up an audition and say, "Hey, if you want, is there somebody want to make me a cover?" No, you find artists that you like and you reach out to them because you have something in mind. And I think you should do the same thing, the same sort of intentionality when you're picking a narrator. I, yeah. You know, it's like anything else. Yeah, that go, makes sense. go get somebody you know is going to do the job that you want. The other yeah, thing is, if, edit your book, please, God, edit your book. We always know if you didn't. <laughs> I've actually had mine. Uh, Nick caught had caught a lot of errors for me. We'll absolutely catch. And he tells me no what ex- they were. And I yeah, I mean, something. there's no replacement yeah. for for like reading yeah. something out loud. But there's a different. Everybody's got errors. Yeah. Like you can take any yeah. big five published book, and there'll be some errors. Yes. I'm just saying there's a difference between some errors and yeah. I didn't get my book edited and your narrow yeah, will give you a narrowed gaze if they yes. discover it was the latter. <laughs> all all I would add aggression in their voice. <laughs> all I would add to that was would be that if you know you want to self-produce, meaning you want to produce the audiobook and not try to approach podium or tantor or audible. Um and only if you have connections or have sold a book a lot of a book can you really get those deals as a first-time author um, but if you have finished series you might be able to get those deals you're going to make less money per copy but you'll might make up for it and uh you won't you can mitigate your risk because yeah, they'll, they'll they'll front the money to get it produced yeah they'll this front is the, the other advice the i recording. have yeah. if you are releasing a book and you want to go audio and you're in indie and the, you don't know how the book is going to do yet, it's not worth it when you're in that position to splash out the money for an audio production unless you're reasonably sure you're going to recoup it. So yep. as, an, as, a start, as a beginning author or somebody who's putting their first book out, put the book out first, see how it's going, and then extrapolate from those numbers to see if you can justify the cost. Because I see a lot of people and, you know, your book's got, Two star, two ratings on Amazon, and you sold fifty copies. Don't get, don't get an audiobook. Just yeah. make another book. You know, yeah. mm. write another book. And when you get one that catches fire, then go get your audio made because then, yeah, you know, you'll you'll benefit from it. Yeah, I um, that's good advice. I produced my first one, and it took a year and a half before I made the money back. And that's that. fine. You, but which you can like kind of run is, the numbers, which right? Which is good, but I was scared. I was wondering if I even wanted to do them. But the second one, which cost more because it was longer, recouped within a couple months. And the mm-hmm. third one recouped in like yep. six weeks. 
Yep. And then then when I combine the three into the trilogy, yeah, mm. the, the it's it's paid for itself many times over at this point. I yeah, I was going to say you don't have to. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say Dirk, no, you don't have to reveal exact numbers, but like the stuff we've talked about in terms of how much your Paternus trilogy audio box set is selling is like mm-hmm. staggering to see. So there's definitely yeah, like it a market me. for those. Yeah, those like big yeah. long. Um, and it just keeps know, going too. Trilogies. It's been mm. December of 2019 that I put no 2020 that I put that out. Wow! And it just keeps selling just as well. It's crazy. Um, the main observation I want to leave with is that uh, the book sells the audio in general. The audio doesn't sell the book. You could get the mm-hmm. best narrator in the world, but if the book does not sell, the audio is not going to make it, it sell. So don't assume yes. that that's going to move the needle because you have very few levers to pull to promote your audio. And mm-hmm. while, yes, people do listen by narrator, it's not to the level where it's suddenly going to make your book a success if it wasn't already. So just yes. bear that in mind before you desire, decide to splash out the money. Awesome. A, a good narrator matters because you can definitely sink the ship, but they're not going to make the book float. Yes, that's a good analogy. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, that's our episode. Travis, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, um, thank you so much for Travis having me. Travis will be back. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Travis will be awesome. back for next week's episode. So we will see you then. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye everybody. Thanks. Thank you for listening or watching to this episode of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you like what we're doing here and you would help, like to help support the show, please go to patreon.com forward slash Wizards, Warriors, and Words. And for a monthly subscription, you can get access to bonus episodes that you can't find anywhere else. Currently, we have five bonus episodes up there and we're going to be adding more in the future. So you can check that out. The link is down below if you would like to have a look. A special thanks to our high tier patrons, Talon, Daniel, and Lewis. Thank you for helping support the show. We'll see you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.